Hey creeps, I'm Taylor and this is TGI Crime Day. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of TGI Crime Day. As always, thank you a million for clicking on this episode. I wanted to say a special thanks to everyone who listened to episode 5 about Kristen Smart. That one has had more listens than any of my episodes I've done so far, so if you're back this week from that episode, thank you for being here. And thank you to those of you who have been here the whole time since episode 1. Our little creep squad is growing, and it's really exciting to see the numbers go up each week. Um, I'm really excited about it, and I'm glad that you're liking the podcast so far. I'm loving doing it, so if you are liking it, uh, make sure you follow, rate, review, subscribe do all of the things. Uh, I would love to hear from you, and if you have any case suggestions, especially if you have a juicy hometown tale to tell, send those to my email. I would love to hear from you. I want to hear your ghost stories, the case that got you interested in true crime, a crazy thing that happened to your aunt, all of the above. I want to hear it all. Send those to me at tgicrimeday at gmail.com, and let's get into the episode. On the morning of September 15th, 2019, Jessica Nunez woke up for her normal routine. Around 7 a.m., she made breakfast for her husband and her two younger children. While Jessica was preparing breakfast, she realized that her back door was open. As she walked into the backyard, she saw a stack of chairs leaning against her fence and immediately worried about her older daughter, Alicia, and thought that she had possibly used the chairs to jump over the fence sometime in the night before. When Jessica went into Alicia's room to check on her, she wasn't there. But there was a note that said, quote, I ran away. I will be back. I swear. I'm sorry. End quote. I don't have kids, but I can only imagine that this is a mom's worst fear. Jessica quickly jumped into action and called the police immediately, and this was extremely out of character for Alicia, so Jessica knew right away something was not right. Jessica said that at first, even though she was worried, she truly believed Alicia would come back because she said she was coming back and hoped she'd be home within a few days. However, it has been over a year, and there is still no sign of Alicia. Alicia was just 14 years old when she ran away. She was very small for her age. She was really petite and looked much younger than she was. She only weighed 98 pounds and was 4 foot 9. She is Hispanic with beautiful long dark hair and brown eyes. She also had braces at the time that she disappeared. Alicia was a student at the Borgade Catholic High School in Phoenix, Arizona, and according to her mom, Alicia is on the autism spectrum and can be very shy or anxious in certain social situations. Alicia had a really difficult time leaving her house because of her autism and was seeing a therapist to get more comfortable being outside of her house and getting used to being at school. From what I understand, she had been working with a therapist for a couple of years, and this therapist and her had a very good relationship. She was really close with um, Alicia's entire family, and she was making a lot of progress in getting more comfortable with herself and being in social situations and being outside of her house. Um, Because of her anxiety, Alicia spent a lot of time at home with her family reading and playing video games online. Playing online video games helped her to feel calm and to make friends in a familiar and safe space. Alicia's autism didn't slow her down much, though. She was very smart and high-functioning, and I hope that I am explaining this correctly. I don't know a ton about autism, and I am doing my best to explain Alicia. I feel like sometimes when someone has a health condition, that becomes their entire identity, and Alicia was so much more than just an autistic girl who went missing. Her family described her as sweet and extremely smart. She loved wearing soft, warm clothing, including hoodies, even though she lived in Arizona where it was extremely hot. She found hoodies and soft clothing more comforting um, because of her sensory 
issues. She would sometimes get overloaded by sensory things, and so having something that was soft and warm helped her to feel calm. Um, Alicia's mom also said that she was a very picky eater, and there were times that she didn't want anything to eat besides McDonald's chicken nuggets and Starbucks croissants, which when I read that, it made me laugh because I was like, yes, same. Those are both two very choice foods. So I think that sometimes we forget how young 14 is. Little details like her loving to wear hoodies and being specific about the foods that she likes to eat, they're just such sweet and innocent details, and I think we sometimes treat teenagers like they're small adults when really... 14 is so young, and I think as we get older, we forget how young and naive 14 can be. Alicia was just a kid. She was trying to figure out who she was, what she liked. She had a very specific routine and didn't like to change things up often because of her anxiety. She would get um, ready for school every day by herself. She would keep it really simple. Sometimes she would just hop out of bed and go to school without even brushing her hair because she wasn't really concerned with things like makeup or fancy clothes or her appearance. And in the months leading up to her disappearance... Alicia started making some pretty big changes. Jessica said that at the time, she just thought Alicia was exploring new things and being a teenager, and it's obviously not strange for a kid to start high school and explore different things, but looking back, her behavior in those months before she ran away may have been more strange than it seemed. Five months before she went missing, Alicia had suddenly become very interested in a comic book called Demon in a Bottle, which is part of the Iron Man comics. Demon in a Bottle was published in 1979, so it's an older comic that most kids around Alicia's age probably didn't know much about. And Alicia begged her mom to get her a copy of this comic, which cost almost $200. Eventually, they ended up finding one of these comics, and Jessica got it for her because she was so adamant on getting this comic. She was so excited about it. And then once she had it, she said that she never once saw Alicia reading it or looking at it or anything. Along with this older comic book, Alicia switched from listening to mainly pop music to listening to older bands like Pink Floyd. She also began trading her favorite old sweatshirts for band tees, and Jessica thought this was a pretty big jump for Alicia, since she was so extremely particular about wearing her hoodies uh, because of her sensory issues, but she was really excited at first that Alicia was trying different things and trying new things. Not long after this, a much more drastic change happened. Alicia asked her mom one day for a body spray which is something she had never cared about before, she was never interested in. Again, because of her autism, Alicia had major sensitivity to scents. Um, She could get very sensory overloaded from different smells, so she never wore perfume or body sprays. Along with the body spray, she also asked her mom to buy her makeup, which, again, very normal for a teenager, but very uncharacteristic. Alicia also eventually asked her mom to buy her a shirt that had a low-cut open back. Jessica was really surprised by this and thought it was very weird because she usually dressed so conservative and Jessica didn't think it was really appropriate for Alicia to wear something so provocative at her age. This was the first thing that kind of popped up that set off some red flags for Jessica and she started to maybe worry that her daughter's changes might not have been so innocent. Alicia's birthday was also coming up and she shocked her mom yet again by telling her that she wanted to have a steak dinner with a red velvet cake. Again, very weird because she was so extremely picky about her food because of her sensory issues. And I really wanted to make it very clear that these are things that are obviously normal for kids to go through different changes and things like that. But this is a very, very short amount of time for Alicia to go through such drastic changes when she is normally so set on her routine and does not like to try new things. So keep that in mind. Two weeks before Alicia went missing, she did yet another new thing that she had never done before. She asked her mom if she could go to the mall with two of her friends that she had made at school. 
Since these two boys were minors, their names have not been released, so I will just be calling them the boys. Uh, one of the boys was a junior at Alicia's high school and had been trying to convince her to join the robotics club since she was great at coding. Uh, there wasn't much info about the second boy, but after Alicia hung out with these kids at the mall, she told Jessica that they had met up with one of the other boy's friends, and it seems that Alicia had a little bit of a crush on this boy. She was gushing over how fit he was and how cool he was, and she told her mom that she wanted to start having protein shakes and get more into fitness because this boy also liked fitness. So again, Jessica tried to be supportive of her daughter, thinking that she was just making progress, learning to make new friends outside of her usual online gaming world. So Jessica was really excited for Alicia at first. On Friday, September 13th, Alicia asked her mom if she could stay home from school. Alicia had been doing really well handling school, and she was in a good place with her anxiety, and she hadn't asked to stay home from school for a while. Uh, but Jessica thought that maybe all of the new changes and all of the new things that she was trying had just become overwhelming for Alicia. So Alicia ended up staying home that day and spent most of the time in her room playing games online, which was totally normal for her. Uh, Jessica took her to get her eyebrows threaded, and then they went to a chocolate factory and out to McDonald's. They had a great day together, and Jessica said that she seemed genuinely happy and in a much better mood by the time they got home that night. On Saturday the 14th, uh, Alicia spent most of the day in her room playing games online, which was totally normal again. Uh, it was the weekend, so that's normally what Alicia would do on the weekends. Around 11 p.m., Jessica was in the kitchen waiting up for her husband, who was Alicia's stepdad, to get home from work. Alicia came into the kitchen to get a glass of water, and they talked for a while. She was laughing. She seemed like she was in a good mood. Um, when Jessica looked back on this conversation later, she realized that it was kind of weird because Alicia had asked her, like, hey, mom, when are you going to bed? And she said that she could hear her having a conversation in the other room online, and she thought that maybe she just didn't want to be overheard, which is such a teenage thing to do, to, like, be talking to a boy secretly uh, in your room and hoping your parents don't hear you. So she just kind of laughed it off and didn't really think anything of it. Um, it. Looking back, it was weird, and I think that it's easy to assume she was waiting up and asking when she was going to bed because she had already planned on sneaking out that night. This leads us to Sunday morning, where our story began. Alicia's stepdad had gotten home from work late on Saturday night and fell asleep watching TV on the couch, and when Jessica got up to make breakfast on Sunday morning around 7 or 8, she noticed that the back door was slightly open, but assumed that maybe her husband had let the dogs out or just left it open the night before. The family had breakfast and hadn't seen Alicia that morning. It was typical for her to sleep in on weekends, especially since she'd been up late the night before, so no one really thought anything of it. While they were cleaning up breakfast, Jessica made a comment to her husband about the back door being open. He told her that he hadn't opened the back door. This is when Jessica started to worry. The family searched the house for Alicia and couldn't find her. They thought maybe she was hiding or trying to be funny, so they kept looking, and this is when she decided to go out and check the backyard. Jessica saw the chairs stacked against the fence and realized that Alicia had to have left in the middle of the night, and she immediately called the police. The police showed up, showed up to the house and started to search very quickly. They asked for Alicia's friends, phone numbers, and started talking to kids that she went to high school with. At first, the officers of the Glendale Police Department treated it how they would treat any other runaway situation, and that was with the attitude that runaways usually turn up. And remember, Alicia did leave a note saying that she ran away, but that she would be back, and Alicia's mom believed her. Other than the note, um, Alicia's room looked totally normal, so Jessica started to do a more thorough search through her things to see if she'd taken anything with her. It was very easy to spot that she had taken her phone and her laptop with her, but she'd left her chargers behind. Jessica later realized that the demon-in-a-bottle comic book was also missing. 
They checked the backyard for more clues, and since it had rained that night, they could see one set of footprints in the mud, and the footprints matched Alicia's favorite pair of vans. They also saw a trail of muddy footprints leading away from the back fence, and it was just one set of footprints, so at this point, Alicia was seemingly by herself. Alicia had a medication that she took daily, and she had left that behind along with her chargers and everything else. This, along with the fact that she said that she would be back in her note, showed Jessica that Alicia hadn't planned on being gone very long. For a couple of days, Jessica, along with the police department, genuinely believed that Alicia was going to turn back up. She had promised in her note that she was going to come home. However, after a few days, when Alicia also missed the 15th birthday celebration that she'd been so excited about, Jessica pushed the police, saying how out of character this was for her daughter to do, so they kicked the search into high gear. Flyers were put up around the town, and a silver alert was put out. A silver alert is really similar to an amber alert, but it's more specific to someone who might be especially vulnerable because of a mental or health condition. A few possible sightings came up, with three witnesses saying that they saw a girl matching Alicia's description being pulled by the hand through La Pradera Park. The person holding her was described as an older, dark-skinned man with tattoos on his neck. This lead quickly dried up because there were no cameras in the park or near the park, and over the last year, a handful of sightings have been reported, but there's never been any clear-cut proof that the sightings were actually of Alicia. The police, of course, looked into her home life first, and after clearing both her stepfather and her biological father, who was not in the picture at all at this time, they decided that the most likely scenario was that Alicia had been lured away by someone she met online. After just a few weeks of Alicia being gone, the Glendale Police Department got the FBI involved, which, can we just have a quick yay moment here? There are so many cases where police departments refuse to hand things over to the FBI, and I feel like the Glendale Police Department handled this situation so well and made a very smart choice getting the FBI involved so quickly. They realized that they needed more help to look into Alicia's online presence, and they took the necessary steps to do that, and I think that it's just chef's kiss, a great job. Before Alicia's disappearance, she had had a couple of weird online interactions. Jessica once caught her giving information to someone on a gaming website that was very personal, and Jessica took this as an opportunity to explain how careful you have to be online. Alicia could be very naive like many young teenagers and easily trusted her online friends. There was one other time a few years earlier when Jessica saw text between Alicia and someone who appeared to be much older. Uh, Jessica would monitor Alicia's text regularly, and one day she saw a conversation that was getting much too personal and very weird. According to an interview with Jessica on The Vanished Podcast, she saw a text from someone that said, quote, Do you have any stuffed animals? I'll be your stuffed animal. Yuck. It seriously gives me the creepiest chills. So Jessica reported this to the police, but since there was nothing really physically going on, she was basically told that there was nothing that they could do. Uh, Jessica took away Alicia's phone and explained to her again how dangerous it can be to talk to strangers online. After these incidents, Alicia told her mom that she understood that she needed to be safe. She even had um, her, with, at this time she was still working with her therapist, and her therapist also explained to her and made sure that she understood how important it is to protect herself online, and she told them, you guys, I'm fine, I get it, I'm being careful. So they thought that it was under control. Unfortunately, it seems that there is a possibility that Alicia had secret accounts that her parents didn't know about. Uh, when I was a kid, the big thing was MySpace. If anyone is listening to this that is super young, you don't know what MySpace is. It was kind of like Facebook, but way super cooler. Anyway, I remember having multiple friends whose parents told them that they couldn't have a MySpace and they just made one anyway and kept it secret. They would only get on at their friends' houses or things like that. It was before there was like, well, I mean, there probably was VPNs, but we didn't know about them. Um, so... You know, that was something that we did 
like back in 10 years ago. So 15 years ago. Holy crap, that was long. Anyways, um, so now there are so many new technologies that have made it so easy to get away with stuff and to keep these things secret. And there are apps that hide your accounts. There are apps that are like secret chat accounts from what I understand. Um, unfortunately, these apps are used way more often for much worse things than just teenage rebellion. The more the FBI looked into Alicia's online presence, it seemed that the most likely answer was that Alicia had been lured away by someone she met online. Alicia's family and their close friends said that it had to have been someone who had planned this so carefully because Alicia hated leaving her house. She was so extremely nervous around strangers and very uncomfortable in face-to-face social situations. That's why she spent so much time talking to people online. Talking to random people on the internet is a completely different story than meeting up with someone, especially someone that Alicia didn't know. The general belief is that whoever she met up with that day was someone Alicia felt she genuinely knew very well. This was probably someone who had groomed her and convinced her that they could be trusted. In my opinion, Alicia probably didn't feel like she was meeting up with a stranger. She probably didn't think that she was sneaking out to meet someone she didn't know. She genuinely thought that she was meeting with someone that she knew really well. She thought this person was her friend. She thought that she would be safe. There was one other weird incident that came up when police were looking into Alicia's life before her disappearance. Alicia's mom and stepdad remembered that there had been a weird hole in the bedroom window screen in Alicia's room. It was round and about the size of a golf ball, and Alicia initially told her parents that a bird had flown into the window. Later, they realized that it had been intentionally cut from the inside. Alicia's family and police believe that she may have been using this window to pass notes with someone, possibly someone who didn't want to have a text thread or any online evidence of their conversations. In the FBI search of her online accounts, they found a few people that Alicia had talked to extensively on online servers such as Discord. Many of her online friends were tracked down and interviewed, and one of them was a 20-year-old man who lived in Oregon whose name is Clark Samples. Clark did everything that he could to be helpful with the police. He gave them access to his online accounts so that they could kind of look through their conversations and see if there was anything that had come up. And he said that even in their group of online friends that they would all kind of chat and play games with, she was very shy and could be very nervous in certain social social situations. It was something that they had all talked about. Um, and all of her online friends said that she would have had to feel like she genuinely knew someone very, very well to go off with them. Uh, Clark said that at the time that he had been friends with Alicia, she had told some tall tales about, like, little love triangles and ex-boyfriends and, like, school drama that he was never sure if they were true or just a young teenager playing up a personality online. Um, and just to clear it up, Clark was cleared. He didn't have any, like, suspicious activity to do with Alicia. When the police interviewed Alicia's friends, they all said they had no idea where she was. They said she didn't say anything about leaving and had no idea where she would have gone or who she would be with. During a search of Alicia's Xbox, they found messages between her and a friend who had previously said that he had no idea where she was. It turns out, Alicia had told this friend that she was planning to leave the day before she ran away. This friend later claimed that he thought that she was joking. Other than this conversation, there was no evidence of her making plans to leave. The FBI did a thorough search of her online accounts. All of her gaming accounts and social media were looked through with a fine-tooth comb. Alicia was very tech-savvy and most likely was using software to cover her online movements. Jessica says she is unsure if Alicia figured out how to do this on her own or if someone taught her to do it. Um, I don't ever want to make anybody 
overly paranoid, but if you're listening to this and you have kids, I really hope that you'll take the time to have these hard conversations with them and explain the dangers of using these kind of apps to keep secrets online. Jessica does a lot of interviews and a lot of good work to help other parents to learn the dangers of people lurking for kids online. Um, She thought that she was monitoring Galicia. She thought that she had a handle on what was going on. They had had conversations. Um, It really bothers me because Jessica has gotten some hate and just mom shaming uh, because people are the worst. And they're basically just saying she should have monitored her better and she should have done a better job, etc., etc. This is not Jessica's fault. And I've said it before and I'll say it a hundred more times. We don't do victim blaming. We don't do victim shaming. Jessica was doing her best. Teenagers are sneaky. Teenagers have secrets from their parents. We all did when we were teenagers. Not me, mom, I swear. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Jessica thought that she was on top of it. She didn't know that she needed to be looking for dangers that she didn't even know existed. And so I just hope that any of you that have kids, no matter how young they are, you'll have those conversations, learn about these things, and hopefully everyone can learn from this situation and move forward with um, better education and keeping kids safe. Okay, moving on. Um, Since Alicia's disappearance in September of 2019, none of her social media or gaming accounts have been accessed. Her phone has also not been used since the day she left. Police have, of course, searched the surveillance footage in the areas around Alicia's home, but there is no trace of her. This is another major reason it's believed that someone much older and more skilled than Alicia was involved with her disappearance. Like I said before, Alicia had never been out on her own. She wouldn't have known how to use public transportation, and not only that, she wouldn't have wanted to. She wouldn't have wanted to go somewhere by herself, and there were multiple times that she had meltdowns when she would go out of the house because she would get so overwhelmed, um, especially if plans changed changed quickly. Alicia was very, very particular. She needed her family to help her to get around and she needed her daily medication. Um, Alicia left that house that day because she believed she had a plan with someone she knew and then she disappeared. Alicia's 16th birthday was on September 20th of 2020. She has now been gone for over a year and there are no new leads. The Glendale Police Department is still working diligently to find Alicia and they take any and all tips very seriously. They have utilized the Glendale electronic billboards to show Alicia's missing poster and are using GSTV, which is gas station TV, to show photos of her on the screen on gas pumps, which I think is brilliant and should always be a thing. It's kind of like how they used to do the missing children on milk cartons thing. Uh, Let's just put missing kids posters on the gas station pumps. It's brilliant. Um, The FBI told Jessica the best thing that she can do right now is to keep talking about Alicia, keep her story alive, talk about her on social media. We've talked talked about it in a few cases now how social media can be a huge help in these cases. Um, Jessica is using it the best way that she can to keep Alicia's name out there. Jessica started a TikTok account. It's at Finding Alicia Navarro, and she has 124,000 followers, and she posts about Alicia regularly. Um, I know that this podcast is really small, uh, but if you can, please take the time to share Alicia's story, share her picture. Um, The more people share it, the more people see it, the more tips that go in, it's all very, very important, even if it seems like something very small and insignificant. The police, the Glendale police, have said that there is no tip that is too small or insignificant. They look into everything. So, share it if you know anything, if you have seen someone who looks like her, if you are someone who has a lot of online presence, please pay attention to these things and um, keep an eye out. Share it as much as you can and go show some love to Alicia's family on their TikTok. Um, My hope in sharing Alicia's story is that we can support her a little bit, even if it's just a small amount from this small podcast. 
Um, and I also hope that those of you with kids, no matter their age, will please, please take the time to educate yourselves and educate your kids on how to be safe online so that we can prevent more stories like this happening. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, I hope that you will do all of the things, rate, review, subscribe. Um, don't forget to send me an email with your hometown stories. I really want to be able to do a full episode of listener emails. So please send those my way, um, tgicrimeday at gmail.com, or you can send them to my DMs uh, on Instagram. It's tgicrimeday on Instagram. So follow along there. Let's have conversations. I love talking with you guys. So keep sending your emails, keep sending suggestions. I love it and appreciate it. I hope that you are all having a safe, safe, safe Thanksgiving weekend. Don't go out. It's not worth it. It's never worth it for Black Friday, especially in a pandemic. Um, I will talk to you soon. Bye.